college, and she was the most beautiful girl in the world, right? Like, whoo. So her dad was the football coach at the college I went to, and so, like, you know, she didn't know I existed, and uh, I would sit in the lunchroom, like, at, at college, like, there's this big cafeteria, and I'd sit with my friends over here, and she sat with, like, all the jocks, you know, like, the 350-pound, seven-foot-nine, like, football players, and all, like, the cheerleaders were all over there, and I was, like, over here with my friends, and um, I would see her from across the cafeteria, and my heart would beat fast every time she came in, it'd just be like, boom. Boom. And I was just like, man, she's beautiful. And I'd watch her like walk by me and like sit down. And I'd be like, man, I wish I could just go like talk to her. But just thinking about this girl, literally, my palms would like sweat. Like it was like turning on a faucet of water, just pouring in the ground. And I'd be all sweaty and I'd turn bright red and I couldn't talk. Like my mouth would get so dry and I would just swallow and I'd try to talk and I'd be like, nope, nope. and so I just, I was a huge mess, right? And so I never could work up the courage to talk to this girl. And uh, one day I came up with a plan. I was like, here's, what, here's what's going to happen. Here's how I'm going to pull off the greatest, the greatest ask out ever. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait till she comes in. And when she goes over, she's going to sit with her friends and eats. And right at a certain moment, she's going to get up with her tray and leave all of her friends behind. And that's when she'll be alone, right? That's when I'll strike. I was totally stalkerish, sorry. So she's like taking her tray up. And I'm like, this is my moment. I'm going to like take my tray and flank her. And I'm going to get up just as she's like, you know that weird, if you've ever been in a cafeteria where they have like that weird like hole in the wall and you like put it and something grabs it and you hope like your hands don't get bitten off as you're reaching the tray in and they take their tray to wash it. So I was waiting for her to go to that to turn her tray and her dirty like dishes in. And I'm going to run up and just like stumble and my stumble, I'm going to bump into her and just kind of like, oh, hey, how are you? My name's Rob. Nice to meet you. Like, that was, was going to be my move, right? It's awesome. It's really smooth. I know. So I take my tray, and I do. I see her going, and I am cruising. I'm mean, like, I'm cruising up there. I'm so excited. I'm like, this is the moment. I'm finally going to talk to this girl. She's going to know my name and know my face, and oh, my goodness. So I get up there, and I bump into her, and immediately when I hit her, my open chocolate milk, <laughs> in college, I was drinking chocolate milk. It's just funny. But still, it, it spills all over her shoes, and, like, she just looks at me like a horrified, like, who is this guy? What is he doing? And so as embarrassing as that was, somehow I decided it's still a good move to still ask her for her number. Like after all that, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm pushing forward. This is going great. And so I asked her, I'm like, can I have your number? <laughs> it was like, oh, man, I was a stud. I'm telling you, I was a stud. I had all the moves. And for some reason, that insane girl gave me her number, right? Like, I was like, well, I was surprised. I was like, why? <laughs> you know, like, why would you give me? Okay, so I take it, and she, like, wrote it on this little, like, napkin that she had. Oh, man. Oh, it was her napkin. And so I folded it up, and I put it in my pocket, and I was just so happy. I, like, strut, dude. I got some swag. And I'm walking back to my table, and all my friends are like, yo! Like, they couldn't believe that she just gave me the number, right? They probably had, like, a side bit going. that I would just be humiliated, which I was. So I walk back to my table, I sit down, and I'm like, sweet. I'm just going to sit here and die a little bit inside because I went so horribly. So later on that night, I'm like, this is the moment. I have her number, and so I pull out that sacred napkin, 
And I unfold it, and it still smells like her. And I look down, and I see the numbers a little smeared because my pocket was so sweaty because I was so nervous. And I can still read them. And so I get on the phone. I don't know why I did this like it was the 1920s, but, like, I got on the phone, and uh, I call her. And so the phone rings and rings, and all of a sudden, her roommate answers. And I'm like, all right, this is good. This is good. And so I say, hey, my name's Rob. Uh, I want to talk to so-and-so. This is on the internet. I'm not going to say her name. Are you crazy? So I say, I want to talk to so-and-so. And uh, I got her number today. She said I could call her. And she's like, oh, oh, um, mm, uh. <laughs> I was like, why, why are you, why are you hesitating? And then, and then all of a sudden the phone just like goes blank. Like, I'm like, hello. And I can't hear anything. I'm like, what, did she just hang up on me or what? And so I'm just waiting. And then, uh, a couple seconds later, she comes back on the phone, and she's like, oh, well, so, and then as she's saying that, I hear, tell him I'm not here in the background, and I was like, oh, that was the girl, and she doesn't want to talk to me, so why did she give me her number, and so before, like, they had another chance to say anything, I just kind of, like, hung up the phone. And sat there with a broken heart on Valentine's Day. Never to like Valentine's Day again in my life. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Being a little dramatic. But like that, that moment kind of formed a little bit of like my idea of what relationships would be like. Like it was kind of harsh, right? So I walked away kind of like heartbroken. And I finally had the courage to do a thing that I just wasn't courageous to do at that time in my life. And... uh I walked away just thinking, man, this stinks. And so I say all that just because there are a lot of different people in this room, and you come from different places and families and backgrounds, and you probably have some stories like me. And it might not be goofy like that. Maybe it's like a legit story of just like something that hurts in your life. And maybe there's some sort of pain that's been caused to you, maybe some trauma. Maybe there is a family situation in your family where like, People are trying to like interact with us and they're doing it in a way that's teaching us that love is kind of this broken thing. And sometimes our past experiences can inform what we think today about things. And so some of us, things that happened in the past are causing us to think certain things about love today. And, and the way we define love, the way we approach love. And so tonight, being Valentine's Day, I figured I would go to one of the most beautiful, at least to me, love stories in the Bible. And this love story is God looking at his people going, let me tell you what true love actually looks like. Let me put it on display in front of you. Let me help you experience it so loudly that no matter what's happened in your past, no matter, no matter what's forming your thoughts on love today from your past is, let me just erase all of it by showing you what I think of love. And that's what God's telling us in this passage. So I absolutely love these couple chapters that, that he writes this story in. And so tonight, I'll ask you guys, will you open up with me? We're going to be in the book of Hosea tonight. And some of you might be familiar with the story of Hosea, but it is kind of this wild story. 
that at first, as you, as you hear like what God's asking this prophet to do, you're like, what? Why would a holy, righteous God ask his prophet to go do this thing? It seems like insane. It seems out of character for a holy God to ask him to do this. And you're about to see what it is he's going to ask in just a second. So we're in Hosea chapter 1. We're reading verses 1 to 5 just to start with. Let's just read those together first. It says this. In the first verse, just bear with me. It's a lot of names. And then it gets into the story. It says, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea. So this is Hosea's prophecy. God speaking to him. Son of Biri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam and Jehoash, king of Israel. Okay, there's the names. Verse 2, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, ready for this? Hold on. Go, marry a promiscuous woman, and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, This land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. God looked at his prophet Hosea and he says, that woman over there is a prostitute. And I want you to go marry her. I want you to go start a family with her. Now, nowadays that might not be like that crazy of a thing to some of us. But for a Jewish prophet who's practicing holiness and worships a holy God, and follows the strict law of God, for God to look at him and say, go even talk to a woman like that. Should have sent this guy running and screaming like, what? I would never do that. I would never break my integrity by doing that. And here's God saying, I don't want you to just go talk to her. I want you to marry her, start a family with her. This must have been mind-blowing for Hosea to even hear God speak this to him. I wonder why he didn't talk back more. I mean, he was just straight up obedient to God no matter what was said. Now, listen, he is in a time right now in Israel where the king who is now on the throne has made Israel this unbelievably wealthy and and powerful nation. They have everything you could think of. I mean, they are living the life. And so Israel is comfortable. The people are wealthy. The people have all they need. And so in their comfort and their wealth, you know what they're doing? They're forgetting how much they need their God that brought them there. They're forgetting where they came from. They're forgetting the wilderness they were lost in. They're forgetting the slavery in Egypt. They're forgetting the faithfulness of this God who has brought them to this place and made them to be able to sit there in that comfort that they were enjoying. And so they go and they make idols. And they start to worship other gods. And they start to love their money and their wealth and their comfort and their pleasures, and all these things. And so as they start to worship other gods, God's looking down going, no, you're forgetting me. You're forgetting how you got here. 
And that's when he comes up to Hosea and says, hey, listen, I'm going to use you. You're my prophet. Now, a prophet's job was to bring God's words to the people. That's what prophets do. God gives them messages, and they bring those messages to God's people that he wants to hear what he has to say. And so he goes to Hosea. It's like, I've called you. This is your job, and here's how I want to communicate my message. And that's when he says, that woman over there, you're going to marry her. You're going to have kids with her, start a family with her, live a life with her. And it's not going to be good. But I want you to obey me and do it because through your life, I'm going to paint this brilliant picture. And my people, Israel, will see your life and see this picture, this message I'm giving to them through your life. And they'll understand what I'm trying to say. And so Hosea pretty much submits to God's will so his life can be a message to God's people. This broken people that was running away from God. A broken people that wasn't obeying the commands of their Lord who had saved them and brought them to this place of safety out of slavery and given them all these things. It's God who loved them. Loved them so much that he already had a plan of redemption in place to eventually send his own son, Jesus, to die for them. And they were walking away from him over and over again. And God finally said, enough is enough. Like, we need to talk. And Hosea's life is that love story, that message, not just his own, but God's love story, God's message of love to his people through Hosea. And so let's keep reading verses 6 to 11. It says this, Gomer, that's the lady, conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Loruchamah, which means not loved. That sounds harsh. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah and I will save them not by bow, sword, or battle or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord, their God, will save them. After she had weaned Lorchamah, Gomer had another son. And then the Lord said, call him Lo-Hami, which means not my people, for you are not my people. and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together and they will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. So here's what happened. They get married. They have a baby. God says, hey, Mary... Marry this woman and name this child Jezreel. And Jezreel happens to be the place where his, this ancestor of this king had won this battle and, and basically established his kingdom. And so it was this message from God saying, I am the king of Israel. Not the guy sitting on the throne, but the one who brought you to this place, who gave you that victory, who made you great. 
all seemed fine and well. And Gomer and Hosea were happy and had this child and this message was being preached through their life. And then all of a sudden, Gomer does something that God expected her to do. She goes off and finds another man and cheats on Hosea and she gets pregnant. And she comes back and has this child and Hosea knows it's not his own, but he doesn't leave her. He stays with her. And God says, name this child, which means not loved. And you're like, man, how could God be so horrible to name a baby not loved? Isn't that terrible? But that's not what God was saying. What he's saying here is that this child will grow up not knowing its own father or the love of its true, genuine father. Because of the lies of Gomer, pretending like she hadn't cheated and trying to cover this whole thing up. This child will grow up with Hosea, which is awesome, but will never know the love of its true father. And then it makes you think, what is he trying to say to Israel as they've left their true father for these other idols and gods and religions? (laughs) Through these lies, through walking away, they're going to be in a relationship with someone who's not even truly their God. They're not going to experience the love of a God who's done so much for them. And God's heart breaks to look at these people and say, I'm your true father. You've cheated. You've walked away. You're separated now from knowing the benefits and the blessings of my love as your God and your king because you're off chasing idols just like Gomer. And Hosea doesn't leave. And so she goes out again. And she disappears with another guy. And she comes back and she is now pregnant again with another child. God says, name this one Loami because he is going to represent something. Loami means not my people. And so God is literally telling them, you've walked away from me. You're supposed to be my people. And now you're off with other gods in another relationship, loving and worshiping other gods. That's not my people. You belong to other gods. Your hearts and your worship belong to these other gods. And you know what? Hosea still stays. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but, I mean, you're three children in. Your wife has cheated on you twice, and now you're raising two kids that aren't even your own. How many of us would stay with an unfaithful person like that? And Hosea, he stays right by her side. And he doesn't just stay with her. He loves these kids like his own, and he raises them as his own. And he honors God in the way he stays in this relationship. So then, she does the unthinkable. After Hosea does all of that, Gomer decides she's done. She falls in love with this other man, and she leaves with him. She takes off, and somewhere in the process, I don't know if she left him a note, left Hosea a note saying she was leaving or sent word with a friend or what happened, but she's gone, and she takes off, and then all of a sudden, she just like, her life falls apart. 
She's got nowhere to live. She's got all these bills and expenses and she's spending money she doesn't have. And she gets herself in all this debt so much to the point where she has to sell herself into slavery just to be able to pay her debts. So now we have a prostitute with a family that's cheated over and over and left that family and run out and now has basically sold herself into the sex trafficking auction. (laughs) And that's where Hosea gets word. Hey, I saw your wife. She's down at the auction block. They're literally auctioning her off as a slave. This woman that you've loved regardless of what she's done to you. Not just hung in there because God told him to, but literally loved her. Loved her children, raised her children, is now being auctioned off as a slave. Can you even imagine that? Now let's see what Hosea does. Jump to chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. It says this. The Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. And I can't help but giggle at that part. I know it's serious, but I love cake and it's talking about cakes. All right, sorry. Verse two says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. That's a lot of money. That's probably everything the dude had. Verse 3 says, Then I told her, You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any other man, and I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord, their God, and David, their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. So when Gomer finally hits rock bottom, Hosea's heart breaks. And instead of going, man, woman, you have had every opportunity in the world. Over and over, right? Like, I just keep forgiving you and keep taking you back and keep loving you. And you just keep cheating and running off on me. And instead of just throwing his hands up in the air and saying, you are just worthless. He takes basically everything he has. And he brings it to that auction block. And he literally pays money to buy his wife back. Man, the dude knew how to love. Now pause for a second. This is a wild story, and I do not want you walking out of here going, man, I'm in this relationship, and this dude keeps just cheating on me and treating me bad and abusing me, and I am not saying, and God is not saying, to stay in a relationship like that. That's not the point here. So do not walk away thinking that tonight. But when we look at the love of Hosea, it is pretty remarkable 
to think that someone could intentionally and willingly know what's going on and still choose to do something so sacrificial, so unbelievably amazing. And his love is a beautiful representation of what God is saying to you and me. I mean, he he was saying this to Israel, but it rings true throughout the centuries to us today as he's still telling us, listen, you probably have some things going on in your life that you're thinking like, how's God going to forgive this? Why would God still love me? And God's like, I'm right here. I don't care if you end up in the slavery of sin. I don't care if you have strongholds of temptation and sin in your life and you feel like you are a slave to it. God is like, I love you. I know every time I keep coming after you, you keep cheating and running to sin. You keep doing these things that you swear you're never going to do again. And then tomorrow you go do them again. Sometimes it feels like this cycle we can't get out of because sin has us controlled and in slavery. And God's like, I understand it and I know it and you'll probably still keep messing up. But I love you. Sometimes we think to go to church or youth group or call ourselves a Christian, we have to be perfect people. We just have to know the perfect person. And surrender to him. Jesus is saying, I know you're broken. I know you're full of sin. And I want to fix it. I want to take my life. Forget 14 shekels of silver. I'm taking my own blood and life and putting it on a cross to pay for you. To get you out of the slavery that you're in in sin right now. I love you. I know what you've done. It's not a surprise. I've seen it, you've done it over and over, and guess what? I forgive you. It's up to us tonight to look back at God and say, I accept your forgiveness. I give you my life. I want to be purchased by you. I want to be yours And to hear God say like Hosea says to her, listen, you will no longer be a prostitute. You will no longer cheat. We will love one another and be faithful to one another. That we would hear God say that to us. I'm saving you from slavery to bring you into a better relationship. Not to continue sinning, but to free you from that sin. That you would step out of the prostitution, that you would step out of the unfaithfulness, that you would step out of whatever the thing is that you have in your life and I have in my life tonight, and we would step out of it and say, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm all in with you. And I want to follow you. And I want to be in love with you. Have a relationship with you. I keep calling this the greatest love story ever, but it's more than just one love story. It's like three awesome love stories in one because Hosea and his love with his wife is unbelievable. And God in love with the people of Israel is unbelievable. But the picture that this really points us to is Jesus' love for us. 
these three incredible love stories that are threaded together into one to show us how forgiving and kind and caring and loving our God is if we will just say, Jesus, save me. I'm standing on this auction block tonight. I got chains all over me. And I need you to forgive me, to take me back. Jesus promises he will. We jump to Hosea 14.1. This is what God tells the people of Israel. He says, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. God wants our return. He could have said, get away from me. I don't care about you. I want you gone. Instead, he says, I love you. And I want you back. So I did something as I sat and studied this. I said, what if Jesus were to write us a Valentine? How many of you guys got a Valentine? No, don't say that because some people will be like, I, anyway, whatever, you know, I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to embarrass you. I got lots of them, though. Don't worry about it. No, I didn't get any. I didn't get any, but that's okay. So listen, <laughs> you write your little, your little note in there, right? And you like fold a little paper open. You open it up, and you're like, ah, and you blush. And you're like, ah. And you're so excited about what it says, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like that type of little Valentine, handmade. What if Jesus did this? And what if Jesus said this inside this Valentine? He gave you one that said something like, I've had it with you. I'm done. No more forgiving. No more loving. Just get away from me. You're a cheater. Most of us, all of us, would deserve that note in our Valentine. But I went through the Bible. And I just looked up all the places I could find where God spoke over us. And I said, what if those things were in this Valentine? Because that's literally what God is telling us. God has written a love note to us. It is the Bible. So what does it say? Does it say, get away from me? I'm done forgiving you and you're a cheater? Here's what it kind of would say, and some of this is in my own words, and then I just wrote a whole bunch of them because I found a ton of awesome stuff. So it would sound something probably in my mind like this. My dear bride, what a treasure you are to me. From the moment I saw you being formed in your mother's womb, I've known you for who you truly are. There hasn't been a single moment in time where I haven't had my eye on you. I even know the exact number of hairs on your head. How I love you and long to have an intimate relationship with you. I want you to desire to know me and to come to trust me more than any other. I've given up my life so that you could live with me eternally. Until we meet in glory, these things I vow to you. I will love you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31, three. I will never leave you or forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. I will be pleased with your faith, Hebrews 11, 6. I will remain faithful even if you are not, 2 Timothy 2, 13. 
I will allow absolutely nothing to separate you from my love. Romans 8.38. I will always be your refuge and shield in times of trouble. Psalms 18.2. I will be your hiding place. Psalm 32.7. I will give you the desire of your heart as you delight in me. Psalm 37.4. I will be the strength of your heart forever. Psalm 73.26. I will make your path straight as you acknowledge me. Proverbs 3.6. I will give you rest. For your soul, Matthew eleven twenty nine. I will never condemn you, Romans eight one. I will reveal myself to you, John fourteen twenty one, and I will rejoice over you with gladness, Zephaniah three seventeen. Anxiously waiting for you with all my love, Jesus. That's what he says to us. He looks like a broken sinner like me and says all that. Forgives all that I've done. All that I am today. And he still looks at me and says, Rob, I love you. I guarantee you tonight, wherever you're at in your life, he wants to do the same for you. Because these words are to you too. Whatever defined your understanding of love from your past, we throw it away tonight. Whatever hurt has influenced the way you think about God and his love, will you just let it go tonight? And will you just look back at Jesus and say, I've run from you, but tonight I'm running back into your arms. I love you, and I want to be forgiven. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Maybe tonight you're tired of running. You're tired of cheating. You're tired of living a life that doesn't honor God and you know that he is your creator and your savior and your greatest love. And tonight you want to experience the forgiveness only God can do in your heart. And if that's you tonight, would you simply just do me one little favor? Would you just slip your hand up and say, Rob, that's me. I want that love and that forgiveness tonight. Will you pray for me tonight? Yeah, I see your hand back there. I see your hand up here. Anybody else? I want that forgiveness only Jesus can give. Praise God, that's awesome. Let me ask one more question. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, I've experienced the love of Jesus and I'm in a relationship with Jesus, but I have run from his arms. I've forgotten all those things he said about me. I've been living in luxury like the Israelites and seeking other things and I've forgotten my true love. Rob, tonight will you pray for me that I'll just run back into the arms of Jesus and let him forgive me and Fill my heart with the passion to be in a relationship with him. Wake up and live with him each day and just experience Jesus. Tired of running. I want to be back in the arms of Christ. Is that you tonight? You say, man, I've been slipping up, but will you pray for me? I want to be back in Jesus' arms tonight. Yeah. Yes, it's awesome. Praise the Lord. If that's you, if you've raised your hand for either one of those things, will you just in your heart pray with me these 
these next words. And the rest of you, if you're good right now and you're like, man, I am in stride with Jesus, will you pray for the people around you? We ask God to do a work in their hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Jesus, thank you for passionately chasing after us so much that you gave your life on a cross. Thank you for your love letter, the Bible that we can read and be reminded every day of how great your love is for us. For those here who raise their hand, God, and they want to be forgiven and know you as their savior, I pray that tonight, God, that they would receive you. That even right now, they would pray to you and say, God, would you forgive my sin? God, would you be my Lord? Will you be owner of my life tonight? I give you everything I am. I belong to you. I will follow you, Jesus. And for those tonight, God, who would raise their hand and say, I've been messing up. I found myself far away. I looked up and didn't know how I got here, but I want to be back in the arms of Christ tonight. Lord, will you do that in them? Will you draw them back in? Will you offer them the forgiveness only you can give? Will you wrap your arms around them and welcome them back as your child? Help them to walk in a relationship with you. God, we love you and we thank you. Will you be glorified by these songs as we stand and worship you as we pour our hearts out to the king of all creation.